Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the sample hour. Sorry, guys, you record so little do a lot of you know. I've probably recorded about 600 or 700 episodes, and most of them haven't, aren't on this feed. It's probably not that many, actually. That's a little bit of an embellish. <laughs> just, just kidding, guys. I've probably recorded at least 500, though. Um, so you get tired when you record intros of saying the same thing and sounding the same. Hey, welcome to the sample hour. Anyways, I appreciate you guys listening, so hopefully you find that funny. I don't know if you do. So with this episode, the first half, I'm only giving to you guys. I'm going to be that kind of guy, and I'm going to beg you to pay me a dollar a month. Please pay me a dollar a month. Um, so with this episode, it's a Patreon episode. So the first half is going to be um, on here, and then the full episode's on Patreon. So I'm kind of taking this method from Jay Dyer. Um, so there's this, there's another car pod, um, and then there's also the Columbus MMA meetup. Um, but uh, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Again, if you are a Sample Hour subscriber and School Sucks listener, um, there is a meetup tomorrow, so just message me and I'll give you the deets and hopefully we can hang out. should be a good time. It's already getting kind of big, but uh, I don't mind. I like you guys. I, mean, I think community is what, what this podcast is all about, you know, putting out ideas and finding people that like these ideas and want to discuss these ideas is, is very special to me. So, with that being said, let's get into affiliates. So, first we have Nature's Image Farm. They're, right now, they are shipping Bocking 4 and 14 of Comfrey. Um, so, if you use code word sample, you'll get free shipping and 10% off. Uh, pretty soon, in the spring, they're going to have some super secret things coming out. I don't know, but I was, I was at uh, the Burns Farmstead last night, and... Uh, they told me. Greg told me that. Um, right now, if you are in the Ohio area, they still have about 10 turkeys left. So you guys can get some turkeys. Um, put down a deposit. And typically, too, if you buy a turkey, I mean, uh, Greg will, if you talk to Greg, he'll let you come and uh, butcher the turkey, maybe. Um, or I'll just butcher it. I'll do a pretty good job of eviscerating, I must say. Pat myself on the back. All right, that wasn't funny at all. Um, so, yeah, so Nature's Image Farm, check them out or click on the link in the show notes and it will take you there. Uh, Grant Schultz has newfarmsupply.com. So, Grant Schultz is currently pre selling his inventory for the spring. So, if you use code word sample, you get 10% off and free shipping at newfarmsupply.com. Um, if you guys want to become urban farmers like myself, uh, I'm a big fan of Curtis Stone's course. I know there's a new course out. Know nothing about it. This is the one I use. I think if you're looking for a small scale, you're looking to do this and not get into a lot of debt. Um, Curtis Stone actually really, uh, I mean, him and Luke Callahan's course is really good for that. I and mean, there are certain things that you buy, but, you know, guys, get in where you fit in. You'll have all the information and you can learn while you earn. And that's the way I'm trying to do it. I don't look, I don't want debt. I don't want anybody to own my business except for me. So that's the way I do business. Yeah. Anyways, I'm in a goofy mood. Hope you guys appreciate it. Um, so that oh, so if you decide to do the course, if you click on the link in the show notes, you can actually save a hundred dollars if you want to pay for it up front. Otherwise, just sign up for the monthly payment plan. That's what I did. And you guys can get the course. I feel like you guys have probably heard this a bunch of times. If you just want to support the show and get the full episode that we have here instead of just the first half, um, all it is is a minimum of a dollar a month. Now, I do appreciate if you want to give me more money. I mean, who doesn't, right? Um, but all I want is a dollar a month. Like I don't, you know, I don't, I don't want, uh, I don't want this to hurt anybody. If you can't afford a dollar a month, then don't worry about it. I mean, just just message me if you really want to listen to this full episode. Um, so, again, so Hunter Motz and I, this is the episode from we were right after the Detroit 
MMA meetup podcast. We had some barbecue with uh, Derek, Chris, and Danielle. And then we got in the car and we uh, we recorded. So it's a pretty good episode. Um, I liked it. Sean Brown hit me up. He already heard it on. He already heard the full episode on Patreon. He he liked it. That's all that matters, guys. Is if Sean Brown likes it. He, if you guys don't know who Sean Brown is, you should. He's a great guy. So, with that being said, um, please become a patron. Uh, or if you don't want to, and you just want to give me a donation via PayPal, let me know, and I'll I'll send you the full episode as well, or a contribution. You know. I'm not a donation. I'm not a non-profit. I'm just a professional begging for profit podcast. So anyways, guys, um, now that we got that out of the way, uh, I got a lot of episodes coming out. Looking forward to bringing them to you. I I think I have like, I'm going to be putting a bunch out. Um, The season's coming to a close, getting the farm winterized, uh, doing it. An indoor farmer's market. It's kind of fun. So Charles and I, Charles Hugh Smith and I always talked about the future of um, the Midwestern economy. And I, I think the backbones, microbreweries, are to, in, in artisans. And, it, you know, it feels good to be right sometimes. So uh, local brewery, Combustion Brewery, um, started doing an indoor farmer's market in Pickerington, Ohio. So I am there every Thursday from 4 to 7 with Capital City Gardens. So if you guys just want to come and hang out and grab a beer and maybe buy some microgreens or salad mix, you can. I'll be there. We'll hang out. It's four to seven. Um, it's really cool, man. There's other. There's good other. There's other good vendors in there as well. Um, it's a good time. So big shout out to the Pickerington Farmers Market. That being said, I hope you guys enjoy this show. sweat our balls off on this podcast because uh i had this brilliant idea that i was like hey hunter i'm gonna pick you up from detroit and drive you three hours down to columbus and drive you back and let's do two car podcasts and we'll make it be patreon exclusive and uh so that's what we just started doing and then the weather decided to go from being cold to warm and ac stopped working in my car because it's a thousand dollar car and it has a leak and i need to get it fixed but i haven't yet so me and Hunter are going to sweat our balls off on the way down to this meetup. But the good news is we might win a Darwin Award. Um, we might. <laughs> Death by podcasting while driving. These two knuckleheads decided to do a podcast while driving <laughs> in a box. And the question is just what's going to kill us? Are we going to overheat and die of, you know, that? Or are we going to die because Drew is holding... A microphone. a microphone and also checking the audio levels at the same time. Well, I was just making sure they were good when we got started, but they should be. As long as we're not too loud, it should be fine. Um, anyways. So I wanted to pick up on something you were talking about what earlier. Okay. Um, because, you know, this is also coming on the back of the Detroit podcast. Yeah, big shout out to Derek for setting that up, man. Yeah, Derek, Great that dude. was huge. That was awesome. Him and Danielle. Danielle gave up a horse that she always dreamed to have to come move out with Derek. And San Diego. And Good San weather. Diego and move to Detroit. And all of her friends and family and Derek's friends and family said, why did you move to Detroit? And she had to say, Derek. And then Derek was just kind of like, yeah, yeah I'm obviously. that awesome. <laughs> so good on Derek for owning that and just accepting his general awesomeness. That's right. Great job, Derek. Well played, Derek. Well played, Derek. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, I mean, we were talking a lot about. So actually at um, at lunch, we were sort of talking about. Um, you know, what, what are the issues and like how there were all these ideologies that made sense to us when we were in our twenties. And, um, the thing that I've come to realize is just how complex the world is. Yeah. And that it's really too complex for any individual to understand. And that it's literally going to take every human being fully engaged 
to be troubleshooting and trying to figure out a better system. And so everybody has insight and everybody has value. Um, and then it's evolving a worldview and a system that incorporates all of those insights. Mm. So this is where I think a lot about the Toyota production system. The Toyota production system and going lean? Exactly. Um, uh, and the fact that, you know, everybody is the world's expert in their little piece of the world. You know what, Hunter? It feels like my air conditioner might be working. Oh, shit. That'd be crazy. We've been, well, s- we've been sweating our asses off this whole time. But I, by the way, can I just say that we're, what, three minutes into this podcast and already I was literally dying. <laughs> me so too. thank God the AC is working. I was working. like, let me see if this, can you turn it to four? I can do Let's it to do four. It all the way, yeah. Oh, man. We'll and see. by the way, let's just say as well that we're driving an American vehicle. We are, yeah. Uh, my dad would have disowned me. He Not really. Like, It's a weird thing because I always would get in this argument with my dad about what's really an American-made car. Like, Hondas are all made, like, are all assembled in Marysville, Ohio. So Honda is more American than a Camaro, in my opinion, because Camaros and a lot of other Chevy vehicles are made in Canada. So a Camaro is really like a, a, a Canadian vehicle. And actually, I don't, I don't know if this, uh, you know what? Let's do outside air on this. Sorry, okay. guys, you don't need to hear this, but we're sweating our balls off. So, um, so anyways, so. Well, but it becomes, you know, there's this, the symbol of the logo of Honda versus Chevy, as opposed to where are the jobs actually coming from? Yeah. And if the company's headquartered in Japan, well, but it's, the jobs, the manufacturing jobs, which are really the scarce ones, are actually in the United States. Then, but it's also the whole idea of well, like a nationalist, you know, nationalism and job creation is yeah. such a bizarre narrative. Well, I agree. I think Honda is actually trying to move there because uh, Japan's so fucked right now because of uh, all their financialization they did, and. So they're trying to actually avoid taxes. Move, they might move their headquarters to Honda. I mean, their Honda headquarters to Marysville. Right. Yeah, they're gonna move. Honda's gonna move their uh, headquarters to Honda. <laughs> they're gonna create their own country. Oh my God! Would you want to live in the country of Honda? Well, I mean, it wouldn't be that much different than when the coal mines. Like yeah. you, you lived in that the coal mines town, and you Here got the paid company with store. Yeah. And in practice, what that meant is just that they were always taking your salary back because the company store massively overcharged for everything. Yeah. Sounds like a great deal. Sounds like a great deal. It was deal. a great deal for poor hillbillies that yeah. didn't know any better. That's yeah, for exactly. sure. Um, so, yeah, so we are really in the heart of hillbilly country now. Well, yeah, yeah we're at the, uh, that's uh, my phone. We okay. can turn off that GPS here. Let's try not to die. But, uh, yeah, so we were at the northern portion of the hillbilly, um, the hillbilly, there we go, of the hillbilly uh, um, exodus. So the original exodus was to go up to Detroit, and then along the way they found jobs in Dayton and Toledo and in Columbus. So they didn't all make it all the way up. So... Um, but yeah, most of the, yeah, there's a lot of hillbilly white people in the, in the Rust Belt. So it's like the, the Rust Belt hillbilly. Cause it's like two different cultures that are very similar, have a similar history. And, uh, so yeah, so we are in the Northern portion. We just drove through Monroe, which, uh, Monroe, Michigan was formerly one of the, one of the top teenage pregnancy per capita areas of the United States. And Drew met someone who he thought might be a good candidate to bump oh, the statistics come back on up. Now, come on. <laughs> there was this very trashy hot girl that was at the uh, she was an attendant at the pilot station where we just filled up gas and got batteries to record this podcast. And I said, yep, that's that's part of my kryptonite right there. Some a nice a nice trashy hot young lady. And what's that kryptonite about? I don't know. Just attracted to that, man. What? Because it's, uh, you know, uh, like forbidden fruit. She's kind of no, it's like let's reproduce. Or unpredictable. Or I have no idea. Yeah. I wish I haven't figured that out yet. That's something that you're going to have to unpack about yourself. 
Yeah, I think it's. I think it has a lot to do with like growing up and having crushes on girls that looked like that because I lived in a poorer area and that's what the hot girls looked like. Right. So that's probably it's it's probably along those lines. Um. Yeah, and that imprinting sticks with you for a long time. I think so. It's no different than being a baby duck. Yeah. <laughs> or um, the imprinting in the Twilight series. Just yeah. kidding. Oh yeah, of course. That's Dude, stupid. you just admitted that you watched Twilight. So, um, <laughs> no, I I did I did watch Twilight via Rift Tracks because I thought it was funny. I was a big mystery science theater fan, and no, we we found out so. It was like this fun thing on Reddit uh, back in like the when the movies were coming out. It was like I think it was back in like 2009. And this girl was was reading the book, the first book. And because me and my buddy were assholes, we decided we would spoil it for her. And we told her how the series ended and she didn't believe us. And she's like, there's no way it's that stupid. There's no way that. Jacob falls in love with a baby and says, well, I imprinted on it and I'm going to love and protect that baby. And it's like, what the fuck? Only a, only a fucking Mormon would come (laughs) up with a story like that. And yet that's how the series ends. Yeah. And so aware along those lines, like something weird like that. I just remember, um, we said that and there was this, uh, so in Toledo, there, there's like these all boys and all girls Catholic schools, and there's there's a couple of them. Like those are the better schools to go to, for private schools where these Catholic all girls schools and all boys schools. And I remember there was always like, so I remember there was one of these girls that was this Catholic, like that went to the Catholic school across the street from the mall, that I was I was selling phones at, and there was this girl like she was selling. Uh, it was like during winter time, and she was reading. Because she worked at this spa and she was like making extra money selling gift cards as Christmas gifts. And so she was reading that book and we were like, we had this theory like there's, I bet somebody reading the first book wouldn't believe if we told them that that's how it really ends. Because we didn't believe it because we thought it was so stupid. So we told her, she's like, that is not how it ends. That sounds so stupid. And so this young teenage girl's like, no, that's, that's how it ends. <laughs> and she was so disappointed and I think she secretly hated us for it. So that was that was me trolling in person. So let's talk about trolling. Yeah. So, you know, you've done your fair share of trolling. I mean, firstly, what is trolling to you? Uh, well, I think it's entertainment. And it's definitely... I don't know. To me, it serves a purpose. Like, it serves a purpose because I used to get trolled a lot. Like a lot, because I was like very. I used to be incredibly literal, and I still kind of am. Like if you if you ask me a serious question, and you throw a joke in, like right now, if you said explain this to me, and I start explaining it, you could say something that was really funny, and I totally wouldn't even miss. I would totally miss mm-hmm. it because I get so I get so tunnel visioned, and so I think for me, because I used to get butt hurt about it, and then like I. I realized how I didn't like that behavior in myself. So I would do it to others. But I guess like I'd always push buttons. Like that's always who I've been. Like like I did it to adults as a kid because I thought it was funny that I could control an adult like that. Um, so I think so trolling, I think can I think a lot of times people confuse being a cunt with being a troll. And I think it's different things. Like some people are just cunts. And I think being a troll can actually be incredibly constructive. And I think like you can you could weaponize trolling as a group. And they might not think it's trolling, but if you think so trolling comes from fishing, right? Because you're trolling for fish. So really what are you doing when you troll on the internet? You're fishing for reactions. You're fishing for people to lose their minds or to, to act silly. Um, where they're they don't realize they're being silly or being immature. But so, I mean, another way to troll, though, and let's say you want to weaponize trolling, which um, 4chan kind of did with with sending uh, Pitbull to that remote Walmart in Alaska. So did you know about this? No, I did not. So, yeah, so there was this contest to bring Pitbull to your local Walmart. So 4chan decided, well, we're going to troll this and spam it so he has to go to this remote location in Alaska. 
So, and because the, the, the system was set up via the internet, um, Pitbull ended up going to Alaska. It was, it was pretty <laughs> fucking funny. Yeah. So, I mean, so, so how do I mean, like, how do we kind of weaponize and troll constructively? So how do we be, uh, in the 4chan terms, moral fags about it? So for anybody that doesn't know what that is, it's like a term from, it's just being a moral troll. So, um, so one way is this. So let's say we all want, and I, and I try this in the MMA chat group, right? Like I try it in the Facebook thing, like let's get Jordan Peterson and Thad in the same room. I think it's interesting that Jordan Peterson has issues with Sam Harris because he feels Sam Harris throws the baby out with the bathwater when he talks about religion. And uh, Thaddeus Russell has the exact same complaint about Sam Harris, but then has the same complaint about Jordan Peterson with postmodernism. So, well, what, what can we do? So I, would, we, I, I personally would love to hear that conversation or that podcast. So what we could do is collectively as a group, we could troll Jordan Peterson and say, get Thaddeus Russell, go on Thaddeus Russell's show unregistered. Because essentially that's what you're doing. You're trolling him. You're, you're, you're all messaging him the same thing. And then he's going to say, you know what, I've had... Because it'd probably only take like 20 people. Well, and also you're essentially astroturfing and relying on what Adam Hansen calls dumbbarring. So if, you know, uh, Jordan Peterson is suddenly getting hundreds of messages, right, saying, hey, you and Thaddeus Russell, oh my God, yeah, really, oh my God, all these people, like, let's have Thaddeus Russell and Jordan Peterson together. It creates this impression, you've astroturfed and you've created this impression that there's this huge demand. But it's because he he might assume that it's organic as opposed to that you deliberately created it and put a bunch of people up to doing it at the same moment or in a small window of time. Yeah. And but the but the point is, is that if you did force that conversation and Jordan Peterson and Thaddeus Russell have a conversation, which guaranteed would be more productive than the Jordan Peterson, Sam Harris conversation. Yeah. Then you've now moved that ecosystem uh, forward the podcast ecosystem so it's a productive conversation they can find some common ground and um, they can move forward together absolutely but and I also I mean I think that's the funny thing is firstly I mean you know trolling is like any of these words people have different definitions of it and it's often just used to deplatform people who are doing it in the name of a cause that you don't like yeah I mean well I mean I literally so people literally trolled for Donald Trump. I mean, that's what the meme war was. It was trolling for Trump, and it was, uh, I believe, it was it was people like Weaves' um, disenfranchised way of saying. I mean, it was because Donald Trump, for everybody that for most people that voted for him, as we've established, was the brick through the establishment, right? So I feel like Donald Trump. I mean, there are the hardcore people that voted for Trump that see that Donald Trump could do no wrong. He's, he's, he's really making America great again. He's really fantastic and all that other silly shit that Donald Trump says, right? But then there's people that literally did it as a troll vote. Like, yeah, screw you guys. If you don't care about, if you don't care about what I, what's important for me and my needs, then I'm going to vote in Donald Trump and you're going to have to deal with him. I mean that's. I mean I, I feel like that was the, the collective, trolling, of the United States, like of the of the, probably the Midwest and any any disenfranchised American. So, now was that something that was like? That's what I'm saying. Like I don't think they did that to be a cunt. I think they did that to make a statement. And I think trolling can actually. I think it serves a purpose. But again, I think like what you're saying, people get that term confused. Like I. I wanted to talk to you because I thought you were because you kind of trolled like you were trolling Sam Harris on Rogan's podcast. Yeah. And you provoke him into a confrontation and a conflict. Yeah. And that's, you know, I mean, that's the point of, uh, you know, you get him to react and his ego is so fragile that he feels the need to badmouth you. And 
um, to, you know, he goes on record saying that I don't understand the relevant biology, which is great because now the ball is entirely in my court and I'm at leisure to teach the relevant biology on whatever time scale I want and reveal that actually Sam Harris has never read the relevant biology. Yeah. Um, but this, I mean, you know what the silly thing is. Hey, let's is, troll Sam Harris again. How many books do you think Sam's actually read? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and how, ma- how many books does he act like he's read? Yeah. Um, at the Derek Zoolander School for Kids Who Can't Read Good <laughs> yeah. and Want to Learn to Do Other Stuff Too. Um, but, you know, and I mean, that's the point. There are 130 million books. Guaranteed Sam has not read more books than he has read. And that's true for all of us. Yeah, I, I feel like I've read a lot of books, but I feel like there's like so many more I still need to read. Yeah. And you're never going to read them all. And, you know, you could just keep chipping it away at it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for anybody to act like they have all the answers is literally the most idiotic position you can take. Well, it's just... Uh it's it's the arrogance of man, right? And I yeah. think like I heard this I heard this guy, he's actually from Columbus and I can't track him down. But it was like the it wasn't it was similar it was a similar thing to Alex Epstein and like his it it's not an anti climate change debate, but it's just his it was more of the philosophical thing and he said to think that man has that much control over the planet is the arrogance of man. And it's, and it's something that we, we pretend like we understand something and then we just never really do. And I feel like it, it's meddling with nature. Um, and to me, it's like, it's this weird thing that I struggle with. Like, you know, I, man, I, I do feel like, I feel like man is changing climate and it, and it, and I'm just, and I'm just using this as like an example of arrogance of man, but I think it's for reasons that they don't talk about. Like, I think it's, you know, row crop agriculture, it's, it's fucking with the land. It's causing land to deteriorate and, or, you know what I mean? Like bad agriculture practices cause the dust bowl. It's like, I feel like, man, how fast have we forgotten the dust bowl? Instead, we'd rather talk about cars and carbon dioxide instead of agriculture practices. Well, but this is, this gets back to this idea of media darlings. Yeah. So, you know, the media fixates on certain narratives, drives them, develops them, and then those become those storylines. And then there are a whole bunch of other storylines that can't get attention, like damage to soil, right? Like, you know, at this point, you know, think about what it takes to raise, you know, awareness for uh, soil damage. Soil soil being a living organism. Yeah, for soil being a living organism and, you know, that we abuse it and that it's a resource that takes a very long time to build up and you can deplete very quickly with the wrong kinds of agriculture. Absolutely. And that's not a narrative that's easy to establish because it's competing with these other much more established narratives. Well, there's a lot. I mean, people have a lot of skin in the game for large scale agriculture. So just like we were talking about, we went to Dearborn last night. The guy was talking about, you know, you know, honor culture. We, we, We do like I value my family more than anything. I do anything for my family. And it's so. I think this was a, a Lebanese American guy. Yeah, a business owner, and and so, but it's you know, it's not too different. Like people in uh, agriculture or people that have skin in the game. Like I, one of my a really good documentary. This guy and he made this this documentary called American Meat, and he first wanted to like paint this picture of. Uh, damn, I don't think this air is really working as well, but it's better than nothing. Yeah. Um, it, he wanted to paint this picture like these farmers were evil at first. And because he read The Omnivore's Dilemma and he said Joel Salatin just screamed at him from the page. And then he had to go down there. So he was like the first documentary guy down there on Polyface Farms. And he, he talked to Joel and spent some time with Joel. And then he was trying to make a documentary. And then he realized that, uh, you know what, I need to... I need to be fair with this. Like he realized what he was doing. He realized he was Michael Mooring the situation. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he, he does this great job in this documentary of showing that, look, this is the better way to farm. This is what natural farming is. He shows you what organic farming is. Then he shows you what, um, you know, factory farming of animals is. And none of these farmers are bad people. Most of them are, are trapped. They're kind of enslaved to their debt because 
they have to they have to make ends meet and it's you know it's a shitty situation and i'm not making excuses for them i'm just saying they're in they're in shitty situations so humans do what humans do best and they rationalize it and they try to make the best of it and i think you know i think that's i think that's something that we discredit it was something we were talking about when i was we were talking about conspiracies last night and it's you know people are so incompetent government is so incompetent corporations large corporations are so incompetent that they're not maliciously evil it's just they're like incompetently evil well like they're and, evil and from being incompetent it's not they do these evil things but it's not really intentional well and they're incompetent because they are in echo chambers yeah like if you spend all your time surrounded by a group of people with a shared set of interests then you're not incorporating the feedback of people who disagree with you and who therefore have the opportunity to point out the flaws of what you're doing oh real quick this that's downtown toledo right there awesome and there it was oh wow that was amazing <laughs> yeah that's so small true i'm never gonna forget this <laughs> by the way all i can see right now is an embankment i yeah. literally can't see anything but this like hill side of trees and yep. a fence yep so uh wow that was amazing thanks for the tour of toledo yeah that's that's toledo uh you'll see a little bit more downtown oh there's oh, their, there it is there's their four skyscrapers oh amazing three of them columbus has a small downtown too and actually detroit kind of does as well it's like it's like a midwestern thing is that we don't have humongous buildings downtown except for chicago yeah. anyway so keep going i'm sorry about that um so, so yeah, so I mean, I think a lot of it is just that people are isolated from information and then, you know, there is obviously scarcity and fear about like, you know, needing to provide for your family, your community. Yeah. And then, you know, a lot of sort of feeling helpless in the face of this massive institution that, you know, you're like, how would I even begin to change this? And the whole point is that, you know, you aren't supposed to individually change this. You're supposed to rally up a group of people and then go change it together. Absolutely. It's it's a so it's kind of like we need to do things collectively, but collectivism is scary. Well, it it's the the it becomes about like we have to do things collectively, but collectivism is really about when we are enforcing an orthodoxy and punishing dissent. Yeah. So we need to have, you know, collective action, but it requires that, you know, we understand that, you know, people are going to have objections and that you want to engage with those objections because it's the same thing as a classroom. If you have a question, you can guarantee that 20 other people have that question. And that if you, when people are asking those questions, if you're supporting them and saying, that's great, like ask more questions. And then we're all, you know, re-clarifying that social contract, re-clarifying what we're up to, why we're doing it so that we can evolve clearer and clearer tools for doing this. So for example, I get people asking what is mixed mental arts all the time, or what is our goal or what are we trying to achieve? And you know, we've written documents that say that, but every single time somebody asks that question, we then go and we rework it. Yes. And that way it just gets clearer and clearer and better and better. And that's really the goal is to just keep on, because often it's, you know, I think it's clear to me and then I'm like, okay, now I have to explain this. And then I'm forced to greater and greater levels of clarity. So I think that's the point is we need collective action and you know what we don't want is orthodoxy we want yeah. dissent we want innovation we want iteration and we want to keep on evolving and evolving and evolving and if we keep doing that that's how you're going to actually reach something that's really powerful and compelling yeah i i, I agree man i think uh you have to invite criticism into your life and i think you know something that you did when people were hating on you the uh the Derek Zoolander, uh, the, uh, the the students at the Derek Zoolander school for the kids that can't read good, when they were making videos about you or 
where they were where they they just were like doing some really like ad hominem attacks or the guy made the video about how many times you say right and he counted it yeah that's my uh, that's my that's my buddy uh, atheism is unstoppable man uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's it's that's not that's not at all like follower of Christ no no not at all there's you have to understand that blind allegiance in the name of atheism is very different uh, from blind don't allegiance. you understand it can't be a religion because we don't believe in any God how can I have a religion without God um, but that's what's so great about you know the atheist fundamentalists is they're such a great teaching tool. Because yeah. they really show that it's not about ideology, it's about psychology. Yeah. And you can do it around any ideology. It doesn't really matter what the ide- ideology is. It's that blind adherence to, we have the answers, we have the truth with a capital T, and anyone who disagrees with us is either an idiot or evil. Well, apparently, Hunter, anybody that disagrees with you, you call a fundamentalist. <laughs> um, well, that's not true, because some people disagree with me, and I'm like... That's great. I mean, for example, you disagree with me on fashion, Drew. I, yeah, dude. <laughs> fucking Hunter went hiking this weekend. And, or not this weekend. He went hiking and he got this bad blister on his heel. So he's wearing flip-flops with khakis and his Cambodian fake polo shirt. <laughs> and I was like, so you're wearing the flip-flops with the khakis and the polo shirt, huh? And he's like, yeah, I am. I was like, all right. <laughs> and and I don't know how many times Drew has brought this up in less than 24 hours. It's so funny, though. It's just so funny to me. So I have to keep breaking balls about it. Like, yeah, man, still rocking the flip-flops. But see, this gets back to the trolling conversation and teasing. Yeah. Because hunter-gatherers tease each other all the time. And it's how you manage power hierarchies and prevent anybody's head from getting too big. Yeah. So I think I, so much of what I... You know, there's what humans naturally do within the Dunbar number, which is to tease the shit mercilessly out of each other. Like, you know, if you get a group of buddies, they tease the shit out of each other. Absolutely. And the problem is when you get to large scale societies, we don't do that because we don't know most people. And I think that's a large part of what the Internet is trying to evolve its way towards is a culture where everybody makes fun of each other and makes fun of themselves. Yeah. Which is what a healthy culture is. Um, And the problem is that, you know, when so much of this is what happens when you don't meet people. So you have a bunch of people who come from a bunch of religious trauma. They have so much clarity on that trauma Derek Zoolander says what they always wish somebody had said. They're like, Derek Zoolander is the most awesome, and he has a real point because his point is my point. He's so smart, He's too. so smart. I wish more people would listen to what he had to say. Exactly. If more people listen to Sam Harris, this world would be such a better place. I saw Islam people. is the answer. Dude. Sam Harris is the answer. <laughs> Dude, I saw so many people say that on Facebook. Like, I, f- I forget when. I think it was a couple of years ago. Yeah. I was like, dude, not really. The dude's kind of a war hawk. And he goes, uh, I, I guess you're right there. And I'm like, yeah, dude. Like, yeah. you don't like, you don't like, you you think, and I, and I think a lot of it has to do with like, it's okay, so I grew up around, it seemed like a lot of people that were part of like uh, the Christian right sort of deal. Like, I remember this one kid, he had a, he had a binder that said, Real men love Jesus. He had a bumper sticker on his mm. binder, and I was like, "That's fucking intense, man!" Like, as a Catholic, we don't say in Jesus Christ's name we pray. We just say the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know, spectacles, text, testicles, shoulder, shoulder. Watch. Oh yeah, wallet watch. That a shoulder, shoulder. I didn't remember. Yeah, but uh, I mean, so it was a different culture already because we don't growing up Catholic. You don't act out in church. It's very orderly. Uh, it's something that you just do. It's not feeling the Holy Spirit. And uh, and we just believed that the Bible was stories. Right. Until, until Hunter, Mm-mm. we, the until the priest blesses. Oh, yeah, there it is, buddy. That's the yep, giant mosque. That's pretty awesome. There's a giant mosque here in Perrysburg, Ohio. That's right. Um. So until 
the priest blesses the, the Eucharist. communion bread yeah, in the Eucharist, and then we become cannibals. Yeah, transubstantiation, dude. Yep, we actually eat the, the flesh and drink the blood of Christ. Yep, it's amazing. It's like Twilight. It really is. <laughs> It's just like Twilight. <laughs> Until we imprint Jesus on the bread and the and the and the wine. Yeah, I, it's a weird thing, and uh, and then it's legal for you to drink alcohol as a child. Yep. Um. So, but, but bad alcohol. That was always my thing. Was yeah. that, and I don't know why, but because you know I serve Catholic Mass, and this is in the UK, and for some reason we never had like actual wine it was always like sherry or some shit or that shitty communion wine or whatever the fuck it was and i was like jesus are they trying to like convert us to catholicism or steer us away from alcohol well the worst too was that there was always be floaties in the communion cup (laughs) so there's always floaties yep it's a highway patrolman he looks like he's probably messing around on his computer when that is correct he did not we weren't speeding, but... But we were podcasting. We were podcasting. <laughs> I don't know that there's a law for podcasting while driving, is well, there? Well, no, I, I, he might just see, like, why does that guy have a microphone? <laughs> why is he talking to a microphone while he drives? But see, this is how committed of a podcaster Drew is. He did not drop the microphone from his lips. He was no. like, I'm just going to merge over a lane. I did. I, yeah. I looked both ways and... Merged over, got back over. Keep calm and keep, keep podcasting. Absolutely. Um, but I think that's... Uh, and then what happens is people become so precious about this image they've created in their mind. And the whole point is is that if you want to shatter that image, you have to ridicule it. You have yeah. to point out the disparity between this image that you have and the reality. And yeah. part of it is that you know, you've created this image that... Sam Harris is always right and that anyone who disagrees with him is, you know, has misunderstood his work and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, you just have to point out the discrepancy between what the science actually says and the worldview that Sam Harris points out. And you have to point out the discrepancy between this guy who is giving you uh, the his view of the Islamic world as seen from Brentwood, California, uh, which is where Gwyneth Paltrow's from. And, you know, it's like Gwyneth's goopy view of the Middle East and foreign policy. And if you think that Gwyneth Paltrow has a realistic view of the Middle East, then boy, are you in trouble. Why do why does anybody listen to celebrities about politics? That's what I never understood. Well, it's this, I mean, this comes down to evolutionary biology. It's awe. So you're in awe of these people. And then, you know, people aren't very discerning about who to be in awe of. So... You know, take take somebody who reads, uh, you know, like the celebrity tabloid magazines mm. and then ask them to. So all their awe is focused on a small number of figures and then ask them, OK, who should you be in awe of on foreign policy or political science? Uh, I, I mean, obviously, George Clooney. <laughs> George Clooney knows he's from Dayton, Ohio. Number yeah. one. He uh, he knows best. I mean, it, didn't you? He makes political movies. Yep. Like Monuments Men, Good Night and Good Luck, Syriana, Syriana. Uh, the one movie, Confessions of an Econo- or uh, um, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, was really underrated. So that was a good movie, George. Um, not that you'll ever listen to this, <laughs> but I think that. Would you be so excited if George was like, "Listen, Drew." Yeah. I really appreciate it. I think you've given a fair critique of yeah. my oeuvre. You know, you know what I do respect about George, though, was he was like the top celebrity single guy for years, and he never gave in. And now, until recently, then he finally got married and started a family in his like late 40s, right? So it kind of was like, you know, live your life as an... Like, what were we talking about? Like, your first third of your life you should spend learning, and then the second third you should spend making money. And then the the third third, you should spend giving it all away. Yeah, Andrew Carnegie. Yeah. Um, I think that's a pretty sound policy. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think... Uh, so what I think is, is that, you know, like, for me, my heroes in political science are people like Francis Fukuyama or Darren Esamoglu or Hernando de Soto uh, or Luigi Zingales or whatever... But I don't know who any of those people are. They're they're all 
pretty. They do great work. Um, but most people don't even have those. They've never been exposed to those people. So in practice, what happens is, is that, you know, they just develop this all round awe and are blindly copying whatever these celebrities say on all fronts. Yeah. Um, and especially liberal Democrats. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, they're the holy men of the tribe. And so they do what the priests say. And the priests are George Clooney and, you know, all of those other big things. The American gods. Yeah, the American gods. There's a pantheon. Yeah. It's like it's like asking, you know, why is it that why do the, you know, Vikings sort of blindly follow Thor? I don't know. Well, it's because it's their god. That's their icon. By the way, uh, the people in the CRV who dressed dove past were like, "Were oh, those two fucking dudes like? <laughs> Do they have black dildos to their mouth? Either that, that or this is the most committed game of carpool karaoke in history. <laughs> we're just singing down yeah. the road. Yeah, uh, yeah, um, yeah. I, I think it's silly. I think uh, you know. I mean, I've had it was kind of weird. I had to divorce myself from being. You know, it's kind of weird. I went from being libertarian to being an anarchist to then like Antifa because it was like I remember meeting other people that claim to be libertarian and it's still today. And it's like they're really they're really not. I feel like there's a difference between somebody that really understands the, the philosophy of liberty and somebody who just wants to say that I'm libertarian be, because, you know, they like Gary Johnson or they own a lot of guns. And there's, it's, um, it's, it's very different because they, I don't think, because you, you have these contradictions in your head, right? And we all have them. But I think at first it, it took me a while to kind of get in line with, okay, well, if I really believe in freedom and freedom of speech, then you should be allowed to say who you hate. And then, and then there's certain power in that because it's, you let somebody say why they hate someone and then you ask, well, why do you hate them? And they can't give you an answer. And it was something you, you said. What did you say you saw? Um, oh, so there's this great clip on John Oliver uh, of this woman who uh, voted for who was who was she was like a councilwoman or something for UKIP, the UK Independence Party, which was Nigel Farage's party. And she said, the one kind of people I don't like is black people. And I don't know why. And that's blind copying. She blindly copied the feeling that black people were bad. She doesn't really understand it. She doesn't know where that came from, but she feels it. It's like most old white people. I think that they don't, there's like, uh, I know like my grandfather, there was some black guy that lived down the road from him. And he was told, he was like down the road from his grandma or his, his aunt or something. They said, stay away from him because he'll cook you up and eat you up in a pie. Wow. And like, just say like weird shit like that, right? Yeah. It's like stupid tribal shit. Like he's different. And I think a lot of that has to do with because like a lot of, uh, I mean, anyone that hasn't seen Mate Wan, like that's a great movie with uh, Chris Cooper. It's about how unions kind of got formed in the coal companies. And so at one point when the white people are about to strike, they ship up uh, black people on the railroad to work in place of the white people, the white hillbillies. So they shipped up the black rednecks to work in place of the white rednecks. And and it's like this, uh, kind of like this, there, there's this uh, um, kind of in between, like they're gonna fight it out sort of deal. And that happened quite a bit. And so I think it's, um, so that's, that's why unions were formed. That was part of the reason why unions are formed and why there became a minimum wage was so that if white people were going to strike, they couldn't just hire black people. And and it's it's like one of the dirty histories. Thomas Sowell talks about it. Um, you know, I had a point to all that, Hunter, and I think this heat in the car started getting to my brain and I forgot what we were talking about before. Um, oh yeah, so there's the, the, we were talking about why people don't like other people. So I think it, that's what it roots from, is it roots from, from things like that. It, it roots from, Painting poor people against other poor people. Well, and it becomes about, so much of it is about financial stress. Yeah. So Adam Hansen, uh, we did a podcast with Adam and the Emperor. Um, and, you know. The Emperor? The Emperor. Lord Brian Callan. Lord Brian of Callan. 
<laughs> and uh, anyway, the, the you know Adam was just saying that you know humans need two things: refuge and prospect. Yeah. So we need refuge. We need that sense of financial security and we need prospect, the hope of a better future. And the problem is, is that, you know, when people don't have that refuge and they don't have that feeling of uh, security, then, you know, they start to be like, fuck, mine's being threatened. Like, fuck all yours. Yeah. And that psychology takes over and that's behind, you know, every genocide, every sort of uh, you know, that's the Jared Diamond thing about the two tribes where very quickly, you know, two tri two neighboring tribes. Have I told you the story before? No. Yeah. Two neighboring tribes in Papua New Guinea. And, you know, for years and years and years, they peacefully coexist. And then uh, a drought comes along. Resources get scarce. And then one of the tribes in half an hour starts telling more and more outlandish stories about the other tribe and talks themselves in half an hour into a state of frenzy about how the other tribe are vermin and insects and need to be exterminated. Wow. So they trigger that disgust and then they go over and they butcher all of them. And that's an evolutionarily adaptive mechanism. But obviously it's not, uh, it's not something that we want to deploy or to be deployed against us. And so you then have to, understanding that about human nature, you have to design around that. And part of that is creating a system that, you know, through one means or another is better at providing refuge for people. But then the problem is, okay, so we're going to have a welfare state and we're going to give everyone support so that that doesn't happen. The problem is that creates a whole other set of problems, which are learned helplessness and a lack of empowerment. So human nature is complex and you have to design the system in such a way that you're taking into account all those conflicting pieces of human nature and you're dealing with all the uh, essentially cobra effects that can come out all the laws of un unintended consequences yeah i mean just as thomas Sowell says there's always a trade-off and there's no free lunches yeah, in human nature, you solve one problem, you often create another. another. Yep. And, you know, you have to design the incentive scheme in such a way that you're getting a best fit solution that produces better results than some other setup. Yeah, it's, it's so tricky, man. I, I think for me, I mean, my perspective is always I want to be an adult and take care of myself. And but I people need but you need skills to do that. And I think when you don't have skills for people to, to learn to be resilient or to think abundantly, which, yeah, you're not always going to have abundance, but it's also, I think thinking abundantly is that resourcefulness that we were talking about at the Detroit meetup. And it's, it's easy. Like, I, all right. So an example, this season, I, I had a freak out moment because my unemployment ran out and I was like, oh damn, I have to work. I got to pay my bills. What am I going to do? Blah, 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 blah. And then uh, it was just like this silly freak out moment, man. And it created, it created some friction between a friend of me and my mind. And I was like, hey man, I'm sorry. I was acting out of character. And uh, so I, it was like this biological thing that this oh shit thing that clicked and and it's something that happens. And I think even even when like somebody who, you know, I work hard on myself, I try to be aware of these things and it's still going to happen. So I think, you know, I mean, education is to me, like being able to self-educate is is everything. And I think the more people that have the the ability to teach themselves, the better the world's going to be. And the more people that know and have the confidence that they can do that, the even better it's going to be. That was the most amazing setup for the Straight A Conspiracy. Thanks, man. You're welcome. <laughs> Available on Amazon. Available on Amazon. Uh, Amazon just fired me as an affiliate. Oh, man. But, Should uh, I boycott Amazon? No, no. It, but you can do it on Audible. Uh, I do. If you go to audibletrial.com forward slash sample hour, <laughs> you could get a free copy. You have to sign up for an account. You know what sucks is they made it so much harder. Like it's so easy to set up an account and get a free book from an existing Audible user, but they make you deal with a lot more bullshit if you're if you're 
if you're doing it as an affiliate, as a podcast. So the point is, is that what really sucks is they're not helping you get paid. No, man. Like, and it's like, and, and one of those things too is, is like, I'd rather not get paid if it's such a bitch for people to fill out and get the free book. Like, cause when I posted your book for free, a lot of people downloaded it for free, at least 10. And I was like, man, that would have been $150. But it was just, I've had one person sign up with Audible, my good friend, Tom Dahmers of Small Scale Life. It's Domrez, but he, sometimes he says Dahmers. He's out of, uh, he's out of Wisconsin. And uh, so he's one of them Wisconsin redneck types, which that's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But uh, they haven't even paid me yet. And it says they owe me $15, and I can't figure out how to get them to pay me. And it was such a it was such a hassle to get approved to become an affiliate. So I don't know. Amazon is great, but they're not great. It's just like any company. Like, if somebody's going to give you free money for not really doing shit, you can't complain too much. Well, but I mean, you know, you're lead gen for them. It is a lead gen. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, fuck you, Amazon. Pay no, me money. No, 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 no. We're just, we just, hey, Amazon... Let us drive more traffic your way so you can beat your zero competitors. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> when you don't have any competitors. Yeah. Although Google and Walmart are now working together, apparently. So that's going to be the credible threat, supposedly. Yeah. Walmart, I'm sure, is efficient enough to uh, compete with Amazon online. Yeah. Um, oh, well, or maybe, Drew, this just means that people should support you on Patreon. Although the problem is, is that if they are listening, listening to this, to this <laughs> they're already supporting you on, on Patreon. Patreon. So, you know, we're going to have to figure out other revenue streams. Well, yeah, I'll figure that stuff out. I'm not I'm not really worried about it, man. The podcast to me, when I when I first started it's it's more about recording my life than anything else. And I think that I have to have that attitude. It's about having fun. Like obviously I like I want to make some money from it, but I think like I have to stay in the spirit of why I started it and it was to pursue the, pursue the things I'm interested in, which is why I chose the the show title the sample hour because i didn't want to commit to anything and i i locked down on farming and then actually talking to my ohio gsd crew that listen to the shows they're like yeah we we honestly like the show better when you don't talk to farmers and and yeah it was kind of like a transition to where they like certain episodes with farmers and I don't think I'm going to go away from that. But I think it's just people get sick of the same thing over and over again. Well, and in practice, you know, people are interested in a lot of different things. Yes. And, um, you know, that's the nature of humans. I mean, humans are naturally curious. They want to explore lots of areas. And that's the prospect part is, is that people want lots of new horizons. And in fact, exploring lots of different things is going to be vital to innovation. Because you're going to need a whole bunch of weird ideas. Like you had this great thing about the subconscious mind, the fertile mind. Yeah. Yeah. It's Well, it was this guy from Robert Louis Dean uh, when I was in Tahitianoni International. And then we followed Robert Louis Dean over to Mona V. So I was in. Uh, so it was like 2000. I was 22. And so it was like 2008. And I went to this conference in Mefferance because we were. We were on Team Top Gun, and when we were on Team Top Gun, everybody, like this book, The Power of the Subconscious Mind, got was passed around, and everyone's talking about how crazy it was. And this was like, uh, I don't know, like a year or two after The Secret came out. And so everybody starts, like the, the law of attraction or that, that the idea of how that works has been, it's been in books for years. And like something that a mentor for me in that business said is, you know, the best kept secrets are kept in books. And, um, gee, that sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> Have you said that? It kind of sounds like, I mean, for ages, as Brian was saying, uh, the best ideas are trapped in books. Yeah. So this is, so Greg was telling me this way before the, the emperor was, <laughs> I knew us. I, well, so I actually knew the emperor was, but it was like, cause it's, it's weird to think that I grew up watching mad TV cause Saturday night life sucked. And I got, and I actually always liked Callan on that. And then, uh, and it's like, and then it's like, man, this guy sounds familiar. And then I was like, listening to him when I started listening to Rogan. I'm like, oh, Mad TV. But anyways, so it's it's just kind of weird to like grow up watching somebody, and it's like, oh yeah, I've known that guy my whole life. He's like, because Brian's kind of like an uncle you to you, an uncle friend, I'd imagine. 
Yeah, he is. I mean, yeah. he's not older than me. That's misleading. I mean, you know, a lot of people think Brian's like in, say, 50 or something. <laughs> he's actually incredibly young. Yeah, that's yeah, what I heard. I heard, yeah. he's, I heard he's not 54 for sure. No, I mean, chronologically, like for his documentation, but that's mostly for his special forces work. So they underestimate him when they admit him into these countries. They're like, oh, this is some 54-year-old dude. We have nothing to worry about. And then, oh, shit, the kid has skills. Yeah. Yeah. The <laughs> so anyways, so uh, so anyway, so everyone is talking about um, the subconscious mind in this book. And uh, I think people are getting a little too woo-woo with it. And Robert Louis Dean was always like, you know, whenever you are doing network marketing, it's a numbers game. Like you're going through the numbers. It's just like sales. So uh, he said, you know, you just got to keep doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it. And the thing is, with anything, people are always getting ready to get ready and, and stuff. So they, they hide behind books. Um, and that's, what I think, when they, they go to start anything. Like, and it's like you have to learn while you earn. And I think like I'm a big, um, I've always been a big advocate of that in sales. And I would, I mean, I, I tried everything in network marketing and it never really worked. Like I bought leads, I was uninvited from weddings and it just was like, it just, for me personally, what it came down to was I could never make that be a part of my identity. I just never wanted it to be. I never wanted to meet somebody and always have in the back of my mind, maybe I could get them into this cult business with me. Um, but I learned a lot of valuable skills from that. And so, but basically the, the whole idea of that was stay in phase one. So what he was saying, look guys, this is all the subconscious mind is. It's just like soil. It's just like dirt. Whatever you put into that soil, whatever you, you do is what's gonna come out of it. And it's the same thing with, you know, garbage in, garbage out with programming. I mean, it's the same thing. So if you, you know, you think about your subconscious mind and what you're feeding it. And all I was saying is, it's just like when I mend my soil, if you're not eating the right foods, if you're not drinking enough water, if you're not doing all that stuff, I mean, that's that's the, so that was the point of it. I mean, it's just simple. I mean, our subconscious minds, you know, you can program yourself to do anything. And I think, you know, not everybody has the same capabilities. Like certain people are gonna be stronger with different things. But, and a lot of that is I think interest driven. Um, but I think for the average- Yeah, but interest can change. Absolutely, man. And the, but I think the other thing too is what I like about that is it sort of points up the problem of mental monoculture, yeah, which is really what specialization is. So what are agriculturally what are the problems of monoculture? Well, if you agriculturally with monoculture, if you're planting the same crop over and over again, there's no di biodiversity. So when there's not any biodiversity, you uh, bugs get used to it. I mean, the soil starts to get sick because you're just putting the same thing and the same things feeding on it. So plants give and take to the soil. Um, so the plants, I mean, if you, so like for me, I always say like I'm farming soil, but I have light feeders. But so like something like corn and soy, if all you're doing with is corn and soy and you're basically putting steroids, if you look at the way that we use chemicals on our, on our farming, you're basically putting steroids on this, on this soil so it doesn't get disease and it doesn't do that. So, so even though they're doing everything with these chemicals to try to do, there's, you're still at risk. And now there's like, uh, there's these badass plants that people call weeds that are really awesome plants that are now Roundup resistant because they're like, yeah, fuck you because the soil knows what it needs. So, I mean, a lot of, I mean, that's all weeds are. I mean, a lot of time, whenever you see weeds, they're adding things to the soil that the soil needs. So, so whether it be dandelions or anything like thistle, thistle is like the biggest motherfucker ever. And it will grow on concrete. It makes this beautiful flower. It's a fucking bitch. If you try to pull it out because it will, you know, put pricklies in your hands, but it likes compacted soil. So when you're using thousand pound equipment to cultivate your soil, you're compressing your soil and then you're growing the same crops. What do you think is going to happen? Lots of thistles. Lots of thistles because it likes compacted soil. If you tried to propagate a field of thistle, it wouldn't work. Like if you try cultivating dandelion, it's really hard. And a lot of time it doesn't work like because dandelion also likes really compressed soil. So when you walk on your lawn, 
and you use grass to, to run on and play on, you're compacting the soil. So what, what weeds like compacted soil? Dandelions, Canadian thistle. So, I mean, it's, it's just people don't, they, they just go to the roundup so quick and they're not really realizing that, you know, your soil's trying to communicate with you. And, and it sounds really hippie-ish and that's because it is, but it's, it's not, it's, it's, it's no secret that there's microbes in the soil that, that we need. And, there's, and, and I'm an avid believer that there's a reason why we have, I mean, I think there's a, co-re- I think there's a correlation that's connected between peanut allergies and all these weird allergies that didn't used to be so prevalent and the fact that kids spend most of their time inside. Um, I mean, even like honey with bees. So if you eat honey, local honey, because the bees are pollinating and getting all these local things, you, you're way less likely to get allergy and have allergy issues. Um, so there's certain things that I think just eating a local diet and having that relationship with your, you know, your local, I guess, soil biome, that's really important, man. I mean, we are a part of an ecosystem, whether we like it or not. And it goes back to the arrogance of man. Like, I, my biggest thing is the planet is going to take care of itself. I don't, the way humans are, I mean, we are, we are, I mean, how many different uh, organisms are within, make up the human body, you know what I mean? We have so many different cells and everything else like that. I don't think we're any different with this planet. And I think that if we start really fucking with this planet, it's going to do some things to, to take out humans. And I, and it might sound crazy cause it kind of does, but I mean, man, I think that the way, I mean, from my simple understanding of science, which I did take a lot of science courses, I just think that the fact that we, we act like we're this because we can build buildings and we drive cars we think that we're this superior being on the planet and we just aren't like you say it best like humans are really fucking dumb on their own like what makes us special like especially when people read sapiens what makes us special is our ability that hunter and i never met never crossed paths i heard him one time on rogan i never listened to the brian callen show and then I hit up Hunter and I say, hey, man, what's, who do I need to talk to to book you for an interview? And I, and I fooled him into giving me his information. You and didn't really fool me because I, I pretty much gave it to everyone. Yeah, it was pretty funny, though. But, but the fact is, is that we could come together and none of us had met Derek before, right? Nope. But we came together. We hadn't met Chris. We came together, had a really productive conversation had a great dinner, enjoyed fellowshipping, came together. And that's, that's a special thing that humans, humans and probably coyotes have. <laughs> and that's it. And I don't want to talk about coyotes because a lot of people are coyoted out because of Joe Rogan. I also had Dan, Dan Flores on the show. Oh, beat, really? beat Joe Rogan, I just want to say. But uh, no, but it's, I mean, that's something that's special about humans is we can survive in packs or we can survive on our own. But we get really special. The, the thing that makes us special is that we can communicate with somebody that we've never met before and do something productive in a matter of seconds. And, and that's what makes us special is us working together. But we are very arrogant. We forget the fact that we're chimps. We forget the fact that... Yeah, but that arrogance, I mean, I think that's... The, so, you know, I mean, funnily, uh, Game of Thrones, spoiler alert... In oh, the last, how dare you. in the last episode of Game of Thrones, uh, there the House Stark came out in support of multi-level selection um, because uh, Arya and Sansa had that conversation on the top of the war, wall where they were of Winterfell, where they were talking about something their father said about how when winter comes, the lone wolf dies, but the pack survives. Yeah. 